Sunrose Yoga. Reveal and remember your sacred nature through the practice of yoga. The Sunrose Yoga Podcast is a collection of audio recordings, videos, and writings about the practices of yoga. The mission of this podcast is to share the teachings in an accessible way and to hold space for meaningful discussion about yoga. To learn more, please visit sunroseyoga.com. The podcast is made possible by the generous donations of students. If you practice with us here, please consider making a one-time or recurring donation over at sunroseyoga.com. Thank you. Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 123 of the Sunrose Yoga Podcast. I'm Kelly, and I'm so excited to share a conversation with you today that I had with my beautiful, amazing friend, Andrea Sanders. And Andrea calls herself a self-taught soul navigator. She is a yoga and meditation teacher, and um, she's taught over 1,000 hours of public and private classes, retreats, and workshops. She has over 400 hours of classical and mainstream Buddhist and yogic studies and trainings, and some of her teachers are Brian Kast, Sean Korn, Rodney Yee, Saul David Ray, and... um, She's a sweetheart. She is the heart and soul behind the Sutra Project, which we will talk a little bit in this interview. And um, so glad that you're here to hear this conversation. Much love to all of you. Okay, hi. Good. It's so good to be here with you. I love love talking to you and seeing you. Mm -hmm. Likewise. So I think it would be helpful um, if you talked about like where your practice began. Like even if you remember your first class or, you know, just that time of being introduced to the practice. You know, like I've been asked this before, and I I feel like I've pinpointed maybe three different places in my life, um, and all of them are very relevant when I think about it. Um, but if I was talking about the first time that I was introduced to, you know, yoga and meditation, that was probably around two thousand. And I became spontaneously, from what I remember, really interested in meditation. Um, And I remember very clearly, and I remember these memories as though I'm watching myself from up above. Mm -hmm. I've never had that. And I remember myself on the computer and typing in, meditation in Florida because I lived in Florida at the time and the first thing that popped up was this website called meditation in Florida (laughs) perfect I I know right and there was a um I clicked on it there was a class that that night at like 7 p.m um it was the first class of this of this group meeting and so um I decided, like, I think I'll, I think I'll go. You know, I wasn't quite sure if I was going to or not. And that night, I actually like got in the car and I drove near the, drove to the place, and then like just sat in my car. And I was like, I don't know if I'm gonna do this. And then, and then I did. I walked in, and I had not left five years. You know, from there, I stayed with that group, 
and I learned so much. It was a meditation class based in Buddhist philosophy, and I ended up taking, it was a class every Monday night I took for five years. Mm. And from that moment, I think, is where it really started for me, this inward curiosity. Um, It went really deep for me, and I felt so clear about so many things that I wasn't, or I didn't realize I wasn't clear on. Um, It really changed my life, and I'm really glad that I decided to go in that that day, that night, And, and ever since then, I think that was like the real start of this whole learning about meditation, which eventually led me to take my first yoga class, like, probably like a few months later, and I wasn't really sure on the, the correlation between the two, mm-hmm. um, but I definitely started to see the kind of thread forming, this kind of linkage between all of these different things that I was doing at the time, um, and that first um, class I took, a yoga class I took, um, was amazing, my teacher was just exactly what I needed she was amazing and we're still friends to this day and I ended up taking the teacher training through that studio um, which was perfect like it correlated so well with what I was I came from from this meditation center and they blended so perfectly together and that's mm-hmm. at the studio um, in Winter Springs Florida is where I started my first meditation class to teach to others um and I think from there it just snowballed and um this inward continual like thirstiness for all of this just was like this expansive you know um space for me and it was like this open canvas and I think that's where I really start to take a lot of root in what and what the, all this was. So. When you first, you know, Googled or whatever the search engine was in 2003, probably Google. Um, <laughs> I know, I don't remember. <laughs> so when, what were you looking for? Like what drew you um, to meditation and like what was it that you were seeking from that practice, if you can remember? was I was in um, kind of the marine and zoological conservation um, a lot of environmental work that I did public teaching with and all through those years of doing that kind of work I spent so much time in nature and studying that and talking to so many people about uh, you know these connections between ourselves and the natural world and And I saw a lot of, like, disconnect, you know, um, in people's thoughts and how they felt about things. And I guess what I started to think, there's got to be some way to, you know, train the mind or to get inside, you know, this world that we exist in that's not connecting to this world outside of us. If that makes sense. Yeah, so did you have a sense of like like when it, when you went into it, it sounds like you're you were thinking about um before you started practicing like teaching. Cuz that sounds like a, a a some a you know, a a hope or a wish beyond yourself. harder for 
see it in my mind as this like perfect threading, like so, like knitting something that continuously just kept growing. But I didn't know exactly what that, how that was, ha- how that was being knitted, basically. Oh yeah, I mean that absolutely makes sense. I feel like that. Um, I mean that's how the practice has worked for me. Like. I have no idea how any of it is going to play out. I have a sense that there's something bigger um, happening, but that I generally don't know how it's being sorted until until the sorting has already happened. Right, exactly. And I feel like that this progression in my life, like from when I spent so much time educating the public about you know conservation and in this, how, how do we connect to this natural world around us, to meditation, was kind of like the universe saying, well, if you want to really sh- share with people how to, you know, get in touch, then here's like a tool package mm-hmm. that really help you, you know, to manage that. Um, for me, it helped me to sort out things in my own mind, but then also to share like this deep, meaningful interweaving of interconnection. You know, like that's what I think was missing out of my talks at like you know to the public when I talked about dolphins or whatever. You know, it was there was something I could have said. You know, now that I know, mm-hmm. but it's, when I look back, it's, it's been utterly perfect how it evolved, and, and how it continues, like, it's, you know, it's always moving and shifting, mm-hmm. so different than, even, like, today, if you look back a year, it's how I think now, and how I am moving forward now is almost a completely different story sometimes, it feels mm-hmm. like. So, like, today, what what does your practice look like from day to day? You know, now the way I define it is how do I cultivate meaningful experiences? You know, meaningful moments. How do I use, like, my core feelings and apply them to every moment of my life? And, and it, best capacity that I can at that moment, you know, my practice kind of looks like that, so it shifts, sometimes it's heavily about writing and art, and sometimes it's about organizing and being on my mat and moving my body, it kind of, it kind of um, ebbs and flows to, you know, my own personal energy at the time. But the goal is, how do I make my moments meaningful? Because when I do that, I feel the most alive. Mm-hmm. And I feel the most um, just this feeling of wholeness, you know? Mm-hmm. And to me now, I don't. I, now I don't have to worry about like, what am I? How many minutes am I gonna spend on the mat? You know, oh, I didn't meditate for ten minutes today. You know, I look at like, well, today I walked and I was quiet. You know, I took time with my puppy. Mm-hmm. So um, I illuminate. I try to illuminate things that. Um, that maybe I didn't illuminate before. Mm. Are there rituals that you, like, come back to over and over again? Or is it really and truly, like, every day, sort of, just wherever you're being pulled, that's where you go? You know, I, I do have some rituals that I tend to. Um, it's not always every day. But I would say, like, the number one ritual is I have this notebook that I carry with me everywhere. And there's not a day.
day that goes by where I don't write in it, where I don't collect things and put things in there. Um, any kind of thought or idea or curiosity or wonderment or anything goes in there. Sticky notes, highlighted, whatever it is. And it's become like a ritual in quietness and slowing down and being attentive to and tuning in to like these moment to moment thoughts and feelings that pop up. You know, it's like I want to pay attention to these things that are popping up during my day. Um, and so this notebook allows me to record it. Mm-hmm. And that recording is so powerful because I can look back and and I can see this evolution of like, you know, these things that I want to develop and things that I've been thinking about slowly kind of filter down to this one message and that message is you know what's meaningful to me mm-hmm. what do I want to be devoted to in my life in the space I'm in right now so I would say my notebook is by far one of the most day-to-day things that I attend to um, second to that is my meditation practice, whether it's walking or sitting, you know, eyes open or eyes shut, it is something that uh, keeps me um, just, it feels good, you know? Mm-hmm. So, mm. Yeah, that, that's, that's probably the one thing that comes to me always. So do you, so for me, I can, like, if I go a couple of days without, like, my meditation practice or without, like, for me, pranayama is, like, really, you know, one of my my natural rhythms of practice. And I find that if I don't do it for a couple of days, like, if we're... Um, you know, in a travel situation where, uh, you know, I have a young child. And so if, if sometimes when we're traveling, like, it's just not possible for me to even have like one minute alone, literally one minute, (laughs) which sounds ridiculous, but it's just sort of like the phase of life that I'm in right now. But so I find in those moments, like that, it's interesting because if I don't do it, then I find out how much I'm, how attached I am to that practice yeah. in the first place, which is sort of good for me to let go, um, yeah. um, you know, in the spirit of not being too rigid. But then another thing that's helpful is like in those moments, I'm like, wow, I feel really gross. And... <laughs> And, you know, like, that is useful information. Absolutely. Like, um, and I'm wondering, like, uh, are you so embedded in your practice that you don't ever feel gross? Or do you have that where you're like, oh, I'm off? (laughs) I feel gross often. Gosh, I, you know, like, I'm the same way. Like, there's some days where, you know... In some form every day, you know, I kind of bring out my notebook because that's always my top thing that's always surrounded me. But mm-hmm. every day in some capacity, I, I move my body. I I love pranayama, my, my meditation, um, food and all that stuff is such a, you know, it surrounds my life all the time. But, oh, my goodness, there are so many moments where, you know, I feel like the week is just pounding me into the ground. Mm-hmm. And, and, and it's usually all my fault. You know, like it's my reactions to things or, um, you know, I'm, I'm being lazy. You know, I, I, it's those things, those human things. And I definitely will be like, oh my gosh, just sit down, Andrea, and just shh up for a minute. You know, and yeah, it's, yeah, there's a lot of gross moments. 
And so for you, is like the remedy, like if it's, if you're in that space and then you can have the awareness like, ooh, I feel gross. Maybe it's because I'm whatever. What's your sort of go-to grounding or energy, whatever, like um, practice that brings you back to, you know, feeling like integrated Andrea? Yeah, you know, I, depending on where I am at that moment, you know, it's, um, when I'm home, it's really nice because I can go out on the patio and just sit and just, or if I'm home alone, I'll just like, ah, yeah. <laughs> you know, just let it out and be like, let it out. Like, yeah. that is a really good relief. Mm-hmm. I, I know it might sound maybe silly but just be like kind of scream it out and then I sit um, and I don't take that much time like I'll put my timer on for five minutes and I'll just breathe deep Um, I'll I'll write out on sticky notes like the top three things that are driving me nuts and look at them and be like okay that's ridiculous this is, you know, this is silly, you know, and so it kind of varies. It's kind of on a spectrum. Like it might be where I just need to scream it out or I sit sitting and being quiet is, is priceless. Yeah, it is. Um, I know when I come to that space, I'll be good. Mm. I don't know if you ever feel this. There's sometimes this is, part of it's like that little side of your other shoulder that's like don't sit down <laughs> something else and mm-hmm. but I think sitting screaming it out writing sometimes is good mm-hmm. art like sometimes I'll like sit like maybe there's something a feeling that needs mm-hmm. to come out like why have I been feeling the same way and I think because of that sitting practice, you become more heightened to, you know, these reactions. Mm-hmm. Like, you notice them in the moment so much more clearly, where you okay. can, like, stop yourself, usually, before it snowballs into something truly outrageous. You yeah, know? Absolutely. I, com- I completely agree. Yeah. So, I, you know, if I were to give one thing, I think, you know, giving myself quiet space would be the number one thing I would go to. Um, that always helps. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know a time where it hasn't, honestly. Yeah. It's so beautiful like to find that space between those two worlds that you've kind of created. Let's talk a little bit about your art and... Um your you know creations and making and where have you have you always made things like I I love I love yeah I've always loved to draw and to paint when I was super younger you know living at home with my family I was really into drawing like Disney characters I loved um, I can clearly remember my dad coming home after work and having this little brown paper bag of different colored pencils, like really nice art pencils. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would go into my room and put my headphones on, listen to some movie soundtrack, and just sketch and draw. Mm-hmm. Um, those are my earliest memories of that. Now I... I like I do do some art like sketch work and painting, but lately I've been kind of making, mm-hmm. and, and I have this. So when I first started with that meditation group, I got this lineage to make um, traditional malas, which are like prayer beads. Um, so I learned that skill, and then I kind of left it behind. And up until recently, I started to make them again um 
and there's something really healing about making those these necklaces um so I've been spending a lot of time creating these necklaces and I kind of created this different kind of inspired version of a traditional mala um for me to use as like a daily reminder I love reminders Mm -hmm. I love having something around me that reminds me of what I need to do inside and out and so I created this kind of necklace called shine garland Mm. and um, yeah they're kind of this inspired piece that reflects the traditional mala but is really designed to kind of bring out you know that spirit of goodness and love and so creating them has been really fun like I'm learning to very colorful and fun pieces that just like literally make me happy and smile Mm. every time I wear them so when after I'm done making it and I feel that then I know I did it well so Mm -hmm. but that's like been my focus lately too in the creative world space is kind of making and creating these necklaces so Mm. much fun Mm-hmm. They're gorgeous. They're beautiful. I mean, I love them. They're, um, along those lines, what is up with these? I was going to look at your website, but what is up with these cards you're making? Oh, yeah. So, so um, I have this, I'm talking about like filtering things down. Um, I have this program that I'm going to roll out next year called Awake Tribe. And um, so to kind of usher in this, um, and I'll talk about Awake Tribe in a minute, to kind of usher in this um, new way to experience all of this, this program, um, I created these like cards. Um, and they're digital cards. And they're actually from my notebook, things that I've written down for myself Mm -hmm. to reflect on, on post-it notes or whatever. And I decided, I've always had this, like, um, I love inspirational cards. Mm -hmm. And so um, I was like, I want to create my own based on stuff that I've used in my own life that has helped me or kept me in line, um, that helped me cultivate certain ideas you know, um, and joys. And so those cards are kind of, I used literally, I did it all on my iPhone and I did it over like four different apps, (laughs) but I created like these different cards for kind of inspirational nudges, um, for people to check in on, you know, each day. Um, and what's a little bit different about them is on the bottom, they have a word and it's kind of like an action word Mm -hmm. and that word is kind of helpful to infuse it into your life because one of the things that people always ask me is like how do I take this and like use it how do I you know I'm so busy and so tired how can I do you know how do I utilize this in my life and so I kind of added these little words at the bottom to kind of inspire something that they can directly act on. So it's a little note kind of in in the eagle wing and then um, just this word that allows them to act on that word or act on that nudge, like these inspirational nudges. So yeah, so there's one for every day um, and you can click on it and keep it on your desktop or drag and drop it and do whatever you want with it. Um, but it's surrounded kind of about, you know, nature and giving and clarity and quiet and creating and taking action. And so they're just a little gift I wanted to give people to kind of get them interested in this new program that I'm going to unleash yeah, tell, can, you, can you talk a little bit about the Awake Tribe? Yeah, so um, the Awake Tribe...
describe is kind of like this, uh, I've accumulated everything that I have been teaching and self-discovering and experimenting in my life into these three different classes. And it's, I think of it as like a remedy for like modern dwellers. You know, it's like this place where people can um, step out of the box of where they're at and experience something that can be very healing and nurturing um, and to help people feel good. You know, a lot of people just want to feel a little better. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's different ways that people can do that. So I've kind of integrated a lot of different roots from yoga, meditation, modern practices, and put them into these three different kind of classes. Um, so the first class is, is called space making. And space making is is really what it sounds like. It's about making room. Mm-hmm. So helping people to release and let go of and t- to see maybe what they're holding on to personally. It's a class where we do a lot of untying of knots. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, where we can rejuvenate ourselves. So it's kind of like the question that I would ask in this class is like what's occupying our mental space? And, you know, how do we feel and how do we want to feel? And how are we going to make room for ourselves? So, you know, it's a lot of um, introduction to meditation and um, relaxation and um, kind of playing on different things in, um, from the yamas and the yamas as well. Um, so it's kind of like a really, it's probably a It'll probably be one of my favorite classes to teach as a three. And from there, you move on to another class called Energy Navigator. And this is where we look at the micro and macro impacts of, like, our relationships to our body, to food, and to nature. So it's this class where I've kind of combined um, these three different things, which I feel like if you can kind of go inside, you'll see how it's all linked. You're gonna move your body, but you just ate a big cheese pizza. Like you're gonna feel pretty bad, right? <laughs> Maybe. Um, you know, so it's this kind of place where we're looking at how we're maintaining our relationships to, you know, our body, to the food we eat, and to our natural world because they're all connected. You can't like take them apart and then think that won't have anything to do with you know nature or food like you're linked to it ultimately and I feel like if we want to cultivate something together as a tribe as a wholeness then we have to understand these these intimate connections um, between ourselves and um, everything else Mm -hmm. so that's what energy navigator is about it's kind of navigating these different main energy channels that we work on every day. Um, And then from there we move to the last class, which is called Waking Action. And this is class where we kind of pull all the stuff that we've learned in the last two classes and then we put them into action. Like, um, how do you create a practice at home? What does that look like? It'll look different for everybody, right? also about creating a, a community for yourself wherever you are um, it's also about acting on all of these different things that we've talked about so I get into a lot of like one of my things I like to do is called kindness drops mm-hmm. and so um, we kind of play with that a little bit um, we do a little vision mapping um, and people can kind of create their own practices from there Wait, what's a, what, can you tell our listeners what a kindness drop is? Oh, yeah. So one of the things I, I've always loved to do on my own is to write little random notes um, and then leave them places, um, like a park bench. Or my favorite thing to do is to tuck them into, like, cereal aisles. Mm-hmm. 
and people are shopping. Um, and it's basically little nudges of kindness, you know, that someone might find, and it could totally change their day. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've kind of created this um, place, a kind of a way for people to do it on their own. Um, so on Teacher Project, you can, um, you know, create, here are the guidelines to create your own kindness drop. And I've recently started making little gifts and leaving them around town um, with a little note, handwritten note. And I just feel like it's 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 an offering. Um, you know, uh, I think if I found a note, what would I want it to say? Um, and I have found little notes before, and they have impacted my day so I, I think why not take a little bit of time each week and write on a little post you note and stick it on someone's window that, and uh, tell them that they're important that their meaning that their lives are meaningful that their actions are beneficial um, yeah so that's kindness drop mm. and anyone can do them so you can drop whatever you want <laughs> um yeah, and I, I, I feel like these are all, like, different ways to express, um, you know, that the me- the meaning in life, you know, in any way that you can do it, do it, you know. It, and it's interesting how, with that sort of practice, how one small thing, like, it really does start to have an impact. Mm -hmm. You know, like, even at the coffee shop, like, where one person, you know, like, I've gone in to the coffee shop around the corner, and the the barista will say, well, the last person, you know, left five extra dollars for, you know, the next person in line. And that, like, has an effect on people. And... There's something really powerful in, you know, sort of like just acknowledging, like, we're all in this together. I, I see you. Mm-hmm. We're both, we're here together. And it's funny how, like, you know, we walk around or we exist all the time and there are so many opportunities for us to hide and for us to kind of, you know... Um, avoid doing what we are meant to do out of, you know, fear of the trolls. But when we, like, see a troll as a human being and just say, you know what, I'm a human being and so are you, like, it's huge. Absolutely. And I mean... And it doesn't, I mean, it doesn't even have to, you know, I use the troll as, like, sort of an extreme example. But, like, if we just do that with the people that we're already close with, right. you know, to, like, look at your partner and be like, I know we've been married for 10 years and I've been looking at your same face for my entire adult life, but I see you. Like, that's, like, a major. <laughs> Mm-hmm. you know and we get into our habits and um, but that's what makes these little little gestures so important because they change our look and our habits of how mm-hmm. we're doing things and and sometimes it's you know the way our culture is situated it's really like you said it's really easy to hide away Mm-hmm. And um, and I think we need that that support and that that knowing that we are all in this together and that mm-hmm. you know um, just saying here I see you like even if it's a note or leaving five dollars for a cup of coffee like it gives people that it gives that next person that feeling too. Mm-hmm. Like maybe they're like, gosh, you know, people suck. <laughs> but, then, but then, you know, that happens and they're like, you know, maybe I've been 
Mm-hmm. And who knows where that will go? Yeah. And there's something powerful in even witnessing that as, like, a third party. Um, like, so one of my favorite things to listen to is the uh, is Krista Tippett's show, On Being. And she posts, like, so she does a podcast, and she posts the unedited version, where it's, like, from the moment that they're doing the sound check until the very end. And I can't tell you, like, how meaningful it is for me when a guest is on who, in the first place, like, knows about her show and listens to it and then, like, acknowledges the work that she's doing. It doesn't happen as often as I think it should because that woman is a genius. Yeah, she's amazing. She's amazing. But when it does, it instantly, for me, like... It, I'm like, oh, this person gets it, and he's seeing her, and, like, that is powerful. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, there's so much love in that. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I feel like that's what all of this is about, you know? Like, and when I look back at the evolution of, like, from when I started to now, I see that so much clearer, clearer. I see that everything that I was doing, even prior to me sitting on a meditation cushion, was all the same story. You know, it was, I, I wanted people to feel something. I wanted to people to feel awake. I wanted to people to feel alive and good and, you know, and so falling into all these different tools and you know, it's been such a blessing, you know, and I, and I love that integration to, to, to share with people, you know, to see the world in a slightly different light, you know, to shine on something that maybe they didn't see before, um, whether it's a kindness drop or a reminder or experiencing meditation for the first or second time. That's gentle unraveling. That's so special. Mm-hmm. So, we've known each other for a while. And um, so you have this website. Your website is called The Sutra Project. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what sutras are you, like, really engaged with? right now um gosh you know I that's a hard one I love them all um you know one of the reasons why I called it the sutra project was the word sutra and what it meant in Sanskrit mm-hmm. and I was drawn to it very suddenly because I was trying to think of how can I describe what I'm doing because I feel like I what I do is I touch I try to touch on everything that life can shine on and what better word than sutra you know sutra means to thread to weave I feel like that's life you know like I'm telling the story of life and for me yoga is being this scientist of the human condition and my job is to share with people how to weave every connection that they move through together in a meaningful way and so you know when I think of the sutras Patanjali sutras um, I think the, the first one sums it up always I always come back to that one. They always say that you always come back, you know, to, you know, this is, this is it. This is the practice. Mm-hmm. You know, what more do you need to know? Look there. Look at your life. I don't know. I mean, I think that's what 
know, because that, that's my main message. You know, the Sutra Project's just this reflection of what I'm doing in my life. And hopefully that maybe I'll touch somebody else's life in some way. You know, if it does, great. You know, um, but when I look at the, the sutras, that's what I think of is, you know, we, we begin where we are. Mm-hmm. And that's sometimes all you can do. Like, some people just need to hear that, you know. They don't need to be anything else. You already are. You already are what you need to be, you know. And I've learned that even in the darkest moments of my life, you know, that this is where I am and I'm going to feel it and be it, even though it hurts and it's heartache. I begin from there. People have to to know that that's 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 good. That's fine. Start there, mm-hmm. you know. So, and I think that sutra really gives a lot of reflection on all those pieces. I don't know what sutras do you think of. Well, so right now I'm super like so I'm teaching this class um, that I like wanted to teach my entire adult life. Um, it's, it's about the other seven limbs of yoga. And I mean, I have been sort of like immersed pretty deeply in the yoga sutras for the past two years because I just finished a book on them. And so there's like, I'm already like super into them. And right now I feel like I'm having this new relationship with the idea of self-study mm. and with the idea of of satya, of honesty. Mm-hmm. And um and like creating this like internal alignment, internal resilience, support, structure that allows for honesty to be almost inevitable and that's coming from like you know even in my asana practice just like being really clear about like oh feeling the sole of my foot making contact with the floor and noticing the distance from like my heel to my kneecap and like so letting the the internal alignment it's almost like like, I don't know if this really makes sense, but, like, embodied dharma. Yeah. And with the... And seeing this, like... So, in order to be truthful, in order to be honest, we have to be super brave. Mm-hmm. And in order, like, for that to happen, like, we have to have physical resilience. And I don't mean that from, like, a, you know, you have to, like, pump iron. <laughs> you can see me because I'm on Skype, but, like, you know, I'm, like, lifting my arms up, but... Um, and, but just like an integrity with our bodies and when we're doing that, so when we're, when we're in, in connection with our form and then we're in connection with truth, which allows us to be brave, which allows us to then like live our Dharma, like that's like right now I'm just sort of like in that. And I'm like obsessed with it and talking about it all the time. And probably my students are like, oh my God, we get it. Be quiet. <laughs> no. that's so I totally get that. Mm-hmm. I totally get that. You know, the biggest thing too, I was going to say too, is the yamas and the yamas are so, I mean, they're integrated so much in this awake tribe, you know, in all of them mm-hmm. in some capacity. And, they're so, yeah. I mean that it's it's that knowing and giving you and giving that space to allow yourself to know that and not worry about feeling rushed or like yeah. I mean just sitting or standing and noticing your feet, mm-hmm. but like really noticing like what is the space in between. 
It's true, and it's it sounds easy uh-huh. and obvious, but it is so hard. It is. It is because immediately, like our brains, our our beautiful minds, they want to go to what am I thinking about this right now, or how do I, what emotion am I feeling right now because of all this and that allows us to like flip back into ego land where we're just constructing a story probably one that we've told ourselves over and over again right and then that takes us out of the present moment out of the actual sensation yeah and it's i mean like you know it sounds almost stupidly simple and it's like the hardest work of our lives to like just be present with sensation yeah it is absolutely it's you know and and that's where you know that's where that practice of just that's why meditation is so important I mean it's so priceless to get people just to sit down though you know not easy either. No, it's countercultural. Yeah. I mean, it's a revolution. Absolutely. <laughs> and that's why I feel like if we can, and I think that's where I spent a lot of time thinking is like, okay, so, you know, um, for instance, like my husband, I don't think he's ever meditated ever. And um, so I think about, but he's really interested in all of this. Mm-hmm. And so I think like okay, so a lot of people are probably in that world. So how can I infuse somehow these ideas to kind of maybe foster this oh like I aha moment or something to I don't even know if this makes sense. Like you know, find these ways to um, cultivate this the same sense like when I sit and meditate. Okay. I've been doing it for a while, long time, but I have to get back to that mind that when I first started, how annoying it was, mm-hmm. and, right? Like, you know, I just, oh, like, I remember just fidgeting and just thinking, this is so dumb, and mm-hmm. I'm not, this is not, it's not for me. Okay, so, like, how do I, how can we infuse these, these kind of facets of that? somebody's life that maybe may not be willing to sit you know um, that's what I'm really interested in like you know like I don't even know how that looks like but I feel like by doing that somehow making it accessible to people in any way possible to, to show them you know I don't know like what are those I don't know what the answer is to that always. Yeah, I mean, I think it goes back to, like, beginning where you are. Yeah. I, You know, I mean, I know from my own experience that, like, when I came to the practice, when I was 18 years old, I, I couldn't sit still. Yeah. Like, I was too in my head and I needed a a very physical um practice just to be able to like lie in shavasana and that I mean like that it took a while I mean I feel like I really I mean for the first probably nine years of practice I couldn't sit unless I had done like a super sweaty Ashtanga primary series first (laughs) and then like I mean but that is what I mean now I can't even imagine like my practice has changed so much that I probably I mean I could like sit now and then maybe do I mean like at the end of the primary series I'm like I need a nap (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, or else I'd be so juiced up that I, like, yeah. But anyway, like, but I needed that. That was the entry point, you know? And I think, like, for most people, there's something like that, depending on their constitution or depending on just where they are. Like, we, the practice has something for everybody, and we can meet every single person right where they are. Yeah, I mean, I think that's what it is, like, you know, I was just thinking, that is the answer, it's like beginning where you are, and and, and knowing that whatever that looks like is, is fine, like, without that, you know, those moments where I was fidgeting, I, how would I have learned to sit still, you know, right. so, um, but I think getting people to that some point of acknowledging just maybe it's kind of tricky to see you know I don't know know where I was going to go with that but it's all good you know Mm -hmm. that's true and just allowing yourself to unfold however that looks like Mm-hmm. I feel like there's a lot of, um, you know, people go up and say, okay, this is what this pose should look like, or this is how long, you know, you should be meditating for hours a day. Like, that's not, it's not available to people. And so they, I think they sometimes, like, block it out. Like, that's not for me. I don't have that kind of time. Mm-hmm. I don't have that kind of body. I think that that has been a, um, a, a place where people were, people are like, well, I just, because I've heard that so many times, people, oh, I, I just, I, I, when it's time for meditation in class, I just kind of sit quietly, I just, it's not, for, I can't, I don't do that, you know, or, um, I don't know, like, because I feel like we made these, like, uh, you know, expectations. Mm-hmm. You know, and just sharing with people that no, it's okay. It's okay to sit there and maybe that's the point. Trying to yeah. looking out, right? Oh, you're sitting there quietly. You're doing it. <laughs> exactly. Oh, there's distractions. Well, yeah. Distractions. You're a human being. Right. You're not going to change that. You're not going to change the nature of your mind. Yeah, the mind, I mean, until the day that you die, you will be thinking thoughts. And the point is to not, like, get too wrapped up in them and to know that they will come and they will go. Mm -hmm. And, yeah. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Well, I would like to thank you for being a guest on the show, I've wanted to sit down like this for ages, and I'm glad that it all came together. I'm so glad to do this. And Thank you so much for having me. I'm- you are so welcome. And I will have links to all of the places where people can can connect with you um, in the show notes. Yeah. Uh, but what's the best way for people to connect? With Andrea, you know I uh, love Instagram, <laughs> and that is like where I um, reflect my day to day life. Um, so that would be a good place to start. And mm-hmm. tied to that is the Sutra Project website, because that's a constantly like you know I'm all out there, so it's always evolving. Mm-hmm. I might check back tomorrow, and I may have changed my plans. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You know, but um, that's always the best place to um, to connect with me. And I love connecting with people. I love hearing people's stories and what inspires them and what moves them. You know, so at Instagram, at Sutra Project. And I'm also on Twitter, too, and all that. <laughs> that so, hmm. yeah, Kelly, I'm so grateful. I love podcast so I always look forward to it and so thankful for you to have me here 
Thank you. Thank you.